Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. Hour two here on the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. Getting to some more NFL talk. We already talked some Texas basketball, so if you want to do that, hit that us up on the text line. We'll keep talking about it. 512-447-3776. Going to get into the NFL. A little more Texas football news. Have not seen any news come across about a uh, any possible hires, but maybe, maybe here in the next day or so we'll see that hiring of a defensive line coach. It's because, you know, Texas needs to... Start working on that interior D-line and replacing that interior D-line as it continues to go. uh, As we get into uh, more of the – we're starting to get into the next semester and the transfer portal is not necessarily going to be there, but we still don't even know Jim Harbaugh. Where does he go? And if you're able to steal anybody out of of Michigan, if Jim Harbaugh does end up taking a job in the NFL and there might be a new opportunity in the NFL, we'll get into that. The text line's open, 512-447-3776, whatever you guys want to talk about. If you guys want to talk about uh, Texas basketball, Texas football, NBA basketball, Spurs, uh, Rockets, Mavs, any of that, you want to text about that, Texas football, of course, I'll get into our NFL takes in our big fat poll today today because Texas just played Baylor, and I think that's actually a pretty decent matchup to keep on the schedule if you want to. If you're Texas, right down the road, uh, pretty even matchup, good teams, a lot of Baylor and, you know, beatable teams, but good teams, you know, some good matchups, a really good coach in Scott Drew that is there, uh, then I'd say that's a decent matchup to keep. But I'm asking you, if you could keep one matchup, in the Big 12 for basketball, not for football, but for basketball, what matchup in the Big 12 would you keep as Texas goes to the SEC next season? So let us know on the text line, 512-447-3776. To reset a little bit of the Texas football news, if you missed it over the weekend, Texas got a commit from a 2025 uh, athlete slash edge, a four-star from Texarkana, Lance Jackson, made the commitment to Texas this weekend, adding more on that edge position and just a big athlete guy to get in there. Uh, A lot of people talking very highly about Lance Jackson, so if he's able to come in and make an impact on this roster sooner rather than later, uh, that would be big for Texas. They're trying to uh, grow that edge position and make that more of a strength and a weakness that has been for the last several years. And Junior Day was this uh, weekend, this 
Saturday at Texas, and lots of good reports from the students that came in. Uh, showing them the facilities and everything that Texas can do, talking to the coaches, uh, and just getting those guys. It's a big step forward for Texas. The more big names you can get in these classes to come visit Texas, the better it is for your program because then you can start to evaluate these kids as people. You can start to evaluate these kids uh, a little bit more, getting to know them uh, and, and have an edge in recruiting when other schools – you know, are starting to reach out when a position opens up for them. You've already got an inside track. So it's big that Texas is able to do those kind of things and continue to grow there. All right. Uh, let's talk a little NFL before we get back to Texan. 512-447-3776. Uh, recap a little bit of what happened this weekend. I'm pretty sure you guys all know if you're listening to the Sports Complex, you probably watched some football this weekend. I'm going to assume you watched some football this weekend. Maybe you didn't. Uh, but the Ravens do take care of business, 34-10 against the Texans. It was tight at half, a good fight from this Texans team, especially the defense in that first half to keep them in the game. Uh, it was just too much. The Texans, at the end of the day, went up against a very good Baltimore team that you needed to not be uh, just as on point as they were in that game. Uh, Texans' uh, only touchdown comes from a Steven Sims punt returns. The offense is just never able to get down there, and when they do, the penalties kill them over and over again. Uh, the penalties for this Texans team, they had 11 penalties for 70 yards, and so many of them were drive killers and pushing you back at points where you get into field goal range and all of a sudden you're back out and you're trying to pick up a first down, but you know you really need to pick up nine yards for a field goal. And Once you got in that second half, uh, it was not really uh, able to happen. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, the Baltimore Ravens were just able to run the ball all game long. 229 rushing yards for Baltimore in the game. Lamar Jackson's 100 of those. Uh, just being able to, when you spread the ball out, everyone's out there trying to do whatever you can, and eventually he'd be able to find the hole and just take off for 30, 40 yards is what he does so well in this offense. Uh, but, you know, something that, you know, Lamar Jackson is really the best at doing, which is being able to kill you if you get outside, and he was able to kind of pick apart this offense slowly if you tried to play conventionally he was able to go across and still pick up yardage and when they would start to try and throw the ball deep Texans would try and overcover there and Lamar Jackson was able to get out there they just overmatched them this is a team that's been building for several years and I know they have a new offensive coordinator there uh but they're they've been building this team for quite a while and the Texans are one year in so so not the worst thing in the world Texans are also going to figure out that run game as good as Singletary had been uh throughout the season it was getting better as the season went on uh, he only averages 2.4 yards per carry in this game. Nine yards for 22, or nine carries for 22 yards. Uh, not going to be able to get it done. You you saw a lot of these games. The run, uh, being able to run the ball, uh, not only is able to win you games, it's able to keep you in games. And the Texans just didn't have that ability this year. It's something that's going to be addressed in the offseason. They have the uh, third most uh, cap room of any teams in uh, the NFL right now. So they have a lot of room to go out there, try and figure out what you're going to be able to do in the run game and uh, try and help this team advance forward uh, as they continue to go in this offseason. Uh, you know, Will Anderson told the story that he was pretty down and he was crying in the locker room after the game and he looked at C.J. Stroud, who's pretty stoic. And, uh, and he, when he asked him about what it meant, why was he not, you know, as upset, he said, oh, we'll be good. You know, we it's and that's kind of the thought. You know, you look at this game and you can look at it one side and say that Baltimore team is really good and uh they're going to have a heck of a game coming up this week uh against uh against a a Chiefs team that has just dominated the AFC for years now. Uh if can they change that script uh for the Ravens? And on the other side, the Texans are up and coming 
that was a first-year team with a first-year coach and a first-year quarterback and a lot of guys, you know, turned this program around. But as a Texans fan, you have to say that it was a great year for Texans because you took a program that losing begets losing. And the more you lose, the more it's hard to change that culture around. And in one offseason, with one big trade and one swing of the bat, they really changed the the mood around the team of bringing in a coach who uh, wanted to change up the the philosophy and change up what was happening back you know behind the curtain and on the flip of that to show that the team is ready to go all in and make a big trade and believe in the t- in the team and uh, it panned out you know you you bet on yourself and traded your pick instead of the cat the 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 Browns pick and it ends up that you have the you know you kept the better pick. And no one saw that coming at the beginning of the year. So for Texans and for the fans and everybody in Houston, it is a bright side. It's it's disappointing to lose. But if you're going to lose, you'd like to lose to a really good team that, you know, you just felt you felt a build-out match in that game. The Ravens are going to have a, a, a great matchup, and we'll get more into that with the Chiefs coming up. Uh, but if you talk about run game and keeping you in games, that is what the Packers were able to do. Uh, Jones for the Packers. Aaron Jones just kills it again, averaging six yards a carry, 18 carries for 108. And, I mean, just basically he's able to keep them in a game where it's wet and, you know, you're not able to get it going. Uh, Jordan Love had a pretty decent game, 194. He has two uh, interceptions in the game, two touchdowns as well. Brock Purdy, again, doesn't look great, 252, one touchdown and one sack. That is one thing. Again, C.J. Stroud did not pick up a sack in that game. Jordan Love wasn't sacked. These guys, uh, the new offensive minds, are finding ways to not get their quarterback sacked, but you're going to have to get that run game. The Packers have it. They're in the game. Uh, 49ers are just able to do a little bit more at the end of the game. You can't turn the ball over if you're Jordan Love. But uh, another team that is headed forward right now, and this 49ers team with Debo Samuel and the injury that he's 50-50 going into the game with Brock Purdy probably have the least confidence he has had in quite some time at the quarterback position. There are questions starting to be asked of this 49ers team going up against the Lions team uh, that seems to be riding pretty high because the Buccaneers are uh, lose to Lions 31-23. to Baker Mayfield really tries to go for it, throws a last-minute interception that ends the game, has three TDs in it. Uh, I felt like there was uh, a little bit too much of reliance on Baker Mayfield in this game, and he had a good game. But Rashad White was averaging 6.1 yards per carry, and you only ran him nine times. I think the Buccaneers should have run the ball a little bit more, tried to run the clock out, tried to keep the ball on the ground in a little bit safer uh, play than continuing to put the ball up. I know Mike Evans is a beast. If the Buccaneers don't keep him, that is a guy that would look really good in a Texans jersey next season. I can tell you that much. Uh uh, Chase Edmonds also averaged 4.8 yards per carry. Like uh, they were being able to run the ball uh, on this on this Lions team, and it, that's what you worry about the matchup coming up next week. That the 49ers may be able to get be, get a better run defense than they were our run game going than they were against the Packers uh, against this Lions team. Uh, but the Lions do get the win. They're going on for this Detroit team. It is a, a season of destiny, is what it feels like. Jared Goff playing pretty well right now, and uh, looks like that the. The Packers are going to be able to, or the 49ers and the Lions is going to be another great matchup as well. And finally, the Chiefs and the Bills, 27-24 Chiefs in that game. The phrase that Bills fans hate more than any other phrase in sports, wide right. Wide right is a phrase that has haunted that team for years. It haunts them again as they lose by three after a Bills missed field goal. Now Kansas City was going to have the ball and the chance to come down and get the win at the end. Uh, 
But in, in reality, Josh Allen does, you know, 186 through the air, 72 through the uh, ground on that game. But Patrick Mahomes is just too good in these games. He's able to get it done. Pacheco is playing out of their mind right now. And if you're the Bills, this starts to bring up some questions. This starts to go again, and it's not Josh Allen. I, I, you know, as much as people want to put it on the turnovers and everything else, he did have a turnover that was really close to him hitting that narrative again of costing his team the game. But I think now you look at it and you see that him and De- Diggs weren't able to connect. He had eight targets. Stephon Diggs did three catches. That's not what you need to be able to see. Only 21 yards through the air for that two, for that combination with Gabe Davis out. It just wasn't quite enough to get it done for Josh Allen. You need the weapons, even if you are uh, a top talent at the position. And Patrick Mahomes is not a guy who needs the talent. He got Rasheed, Rasheed Rice, and he feels just fine now with Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. Uh, but it brings up the question for this Bills team. Is Sean McDermott safe now? The same question we asked for, for Nick Sirianni in Philly. The same question we asked for Mike McCarthy in Dallas. This is a you're supposed to be playing in the Super Bowl. This is the time you're supposed to be all in and playing in the Super Bowl. Are you going to be able to get to that level? And right now, the Bills have not been able to do it. The Bills again lose to the Chiefs. And Sean McDermott, you can say, had some good things going for him. He did build the team. Joe Brady, I think, you know, underrated as an offensive coordinator coming in midway through the season. Joe Brady, who uh, was thrown under the bus by Matt Rule last year in Carolina and kind of, you know, came out of LSU and then it fell into the, well, it was all, you know, the the Justin Jefferson and, and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow it wasn't really Joe Brady. But he looks, I mean, he's turned it around. He got them a running game they hadn't had for years. And the team's starting to look better in places but can't quite get over that hump. Is there time you move on? And if you're moving on, is it because you feel that you were in the contest, in a contest to get Bill Belichick or Jim Harbaugh. And personally, I don't think Bill Belichick, this would be his top job. I think he would like it, but it's a lot of players that kind of are built in their way. It would be a harder change of culture for uh, for a Bill Belichick, and it's also a divisional rival of his. Uh, so he knows him a little bit better, but I'm not sure that he would want to go and you know play in the division with the Patriots. I don't know if he would. He may want that more. You know, he may be vindictive and at the end of the day say, you know what, if I can go show Robert Kraft that he shouldn't have got rid of me, maybe he will. Maybe that's the guy they go out and, and make a phone call to and just judge interest. Jim Harbaugh, if you say, okay, well, you want to go to the Chargers, well, they don't have a culture. You can come in here and we were kind of already made of we have a culture. We have some things going for us and we got a top quarterback. We've got all the things you could want here as well in Buffalo and you can come be crazy here and the fan base will eat it up. Your eccentricities here in in L.A. they may not. You may not have the fan base, but here your fan base will will live and die for you. Here, I think that that's somebody. I'm you know if I'm Buffalo and I know this guy's a winner, I'm at least gonna look at it. I don't know you know because I don't think if you fire Sean McDermott and you don't get Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick, then you probably screwed up. You're too late in this scenario to go get another great coach. I don't know who else you're gonna be able to get at that position, but I think it's worth a look at. You know, that if you look at the numbers, and Rob Evers always bring these numbers out of, you know, how long a quarterback and a coach can go before that scenario never ends in a Super Bowl. And it feels like we're well past that. It feels like we're past it. And I know there was tons of injuries for Buffalo, so it's a bit of an overreaction. Sean McDermott's done a good job. But man, does it not? It does it not make you want to think about it. Do you not want to just like kind of just judge it and maybe, maybe we'll see, maybe we can do it, maybe. 
Let me know what you think on the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, we're asking if you got any takes on college basketball, Texas basketball, Texas football, NBA, anything you want to throw in there. And the big fat poll of the day today, if you keep one Big 12 opponent in basketball, who would it be? Who would be the opponent you would keep if you could take one of them in Big 12 play and keep them as you move to the SEC? Who would that be? 512-447-3776 is the text line number. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will get into a little uh, behind the burn orange curtain with Rob Avers and EOC and the text line 512-447-3776. We come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons only on The Horn. Back on the sports complex here on the horn. I don't know if any of you guys put it together what the theme of the week is. But the theme of the week is uh, it is uh, blood donation month uh, or blood donor month uh, celebration in January. And I was talking to somebody this weekend about donating blood and and uh, the good it can do. And they're trying to get more people to do it. So I said we would promote it this week, uh, donating blood. Uh, so the songs were all about blood this week. As we talk about donating blood, a uh, great cause that you can do. Uh, and, uh, and hats off to everybody who does donate blood regularly. Uh, hats off to you guys. Uh, but, yeah, that's why we're playing uh, Hot Blooded and Bloody, Ma- uh, Bloody Mary Morning from Willie Nelson and Raining Blood by Slayer. Some good stuff. We'll play blood songs all week long. You know, keeping it, uh, keeping it positive with the blood. It's a good thing to do. Uh, text line's open, 512-447-3776 is the text line. The big fat poll of the day today is if you could keep – one Big 12 opponent in basketball. Who would it be? What is the Big 12 opponent you would keep in basketball since Texas is going to the SEC? Not going to be playing any. I think Baylor, for me, is probably the one I would keep. I know it's not the sexiest matchup, but a Kansas team is a bit further away with the travel and everything else you have to do. Plus, they're a Kansas team that, you know, you don't want to put one that's, that's you know, they're a perennial power. Houston, I think, is another good one. We just don't have the history with Houston, and they're all, say, a really good defensive team which could be annoying early in the season, you know, a loss where, again, they the, the stats they put up against UCF, I mean, they allowed three layups. That's the only three buckets 
that were made. And they, they I mean, UCF shot a lot of free throws, but they did not allow a bucket inside the three-point line in the first half. They allowed three layups in the second half. That's it. That is a crazy stat to look at. So I think Baylor is the one where you go, okay, maybe Baylor would be a fun one. It's right down the road. You know, it's a, you've played them tons of times before. Decent matchup. Fan base isn't crazy that they're going to, you know, it's not a Texas Tech fan base that, you know, you might be getting phone calls and death threats and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I, that's what I have. But uh, what do you let me know what you guys think on that one. Random texter number 69 says, let's keep Houston. Maybe not the obvious choice, but that FCC travel schedule is always going to be really tough. Is is going to be rough enough. And who really wants to go to Lubbock anyway? Off topic. Prop bet odds for Taylor Swift in a box at this year's Super Bowl because KC made it. I'm sure the NFL execs are praying that happens. I believe she starts her tour. I believe I've heard this. I've not looked into this, but I've heard that she starts her tour and would be in Japan, I believe, uh, when the Super Bowl is. So she would not be there. So they will be cutting to a Zoom of her watching the game in Japan. (laughs) I don't find a way to show her, but I believe she is not going to be in the States at the time the Super Bowl is happening. So, random texter number 69. I don't know if we'll be able to see that. But, yes, if she's in town, of course she'll be there, and they'll show her the whole time. And they'll put Jason Kelsey in there with no shirt on because that was just hilarious fun. Uh, Texter says, Kansas, another team that you could add in there. It's a great matchup. I mean, those matchups have been huge. Uh, I don't know if they care the same weight non-conference as they do as those last games of the season when, you know, like that game last season that kind of spurred Texas on to, to an Elite Eight run with that big win against Kansas at the end of the season, but I like it. Uh, keep Baylor since it's the closest. Again, it's a it's a bus ride. It's a bus ride trip for both teams, the home and away. It seems like Baylor would be more open to doing it than some of these other schools would be as well. Texture says, keep Tech. I'm guessing this is from a Tech fan, though. That 903 area code, I'm going to guess is Lubbock. I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm going to assume it's Lubbock. That you want to keep it because you're a tech fan and you want to keep that tech game. I just don't I don't I don't necessarily see the benefit of keeping the tech game. I don't necessarily see the benefit of it for Texas. I, I think that tech would be huge for them. And so if you want to do them a favor, but it's a long enough away, it's like Lubbock's far enough away, the weather in January, like so you're gonna be doing it in late in December and that and make that trip up to Lubbock where you're just gonna get berated and hated on I mean, maybe if you want to say a hostile environment to train you. Maybe you could sell that point to uh, if you want to have the most hostile road environment in non-conference, it would be there. I mean, maybe you do tech and you do it in a uh, and you do it at a, a neutral site. See, and then the both fans will go, and then you make a bunch of money. Maybe that's the way to keep doing it with tech. Maybe that'll work where you don't necessarily have to travel to Lubbock every year, but you just do neutral site against tech. I could I could get more bought into that one. I get more bought into that one. Uh, Texter says uh, Baylor and uh, the bad call helping KC again. I know people hate KC and they think they're getting all the refs calls. I think I think you know refs screw up enough either way. I didn't see anything in either game that led me to believe that it was you know one team was getting overly helped. I think you know Buffalo missed a field goal, and in the reality. There was a fumble that you know if if they if the buff if the Bills don't poke the ball out and get it away is a pick six going the other way and Josh Allen is a scapegoat again and probably rightfully so but that's you know I, I I'm not going to put that one on the refs me personally I'm not going to Oglem McGreg says Kansas only. 
That's a high-profile opponent that will likely be playing North Carolina or Duke. Yeah, I mean, and I get Kansas high-profile, but Baylor was number nine in the country. We just played Like, Baylor's constantly a top-five, top-ten program. They were a national champion a few years ago. I, I get that Kansas holds a higher tier, but that means it's just going to be a, you know, I think it's a bigger issue to play them, uh, and you also have to fly to Kansas. It, it is a big game. I just don't know if they for them, the rivalry's there either. I don't know if they care enough about Texas and basketball. They'd rather play a UNC or a Duke uh, because those schools, you know, are basketball schools, and Texas just historically isn't isn't one. So they may want to do it, but I think again, I just in all logic for me sticks with Baylor. But I guess if you want to say you do neutral site with Tech and you want to put it in there where their fan bases are crazy, and you could probably make a lot of money putting that somewhere because Tech fans will spend all the money to go out there, which will mean Texas fans will want to go spend money. And there's enough neutral site that if you did that somewhere, that uh, it could be an interesting game. I don't know where you would do it in Dallas or Houston or something like that, but that's an interesting one if you did a neutral site. Uh, I do want to play you a little uh, Ian Robbie uh, from Hook'em Up this morning behind the burn orange curtain. Keep those texts coming. We'll get back to them. 512-447-3776 is the text line. Uh, it's a little behind the burn orange curtain. Always a good uh, thing to check out with Rod Babers uh, when he starts to break down some Texas. They talk a little Texas basketball on this as well. Uh, it's a hook em up replay here on the Sports Complex on the Horn. All right. Uh, there are several headlines that I want to hit uh, when we go behind the burn orange curtain here. Uh, we didn't talk any of the recruiting nuggets, but it was a big recruiting weekend. Um, for the Longhorns uh, this weekend, um, and they ended up getting a commitment for the 2025 class. A defensive lineman, Lance Jackson, um, ends up being uh, their uh, 20, a 2025 commitment, the number nine defensive lineman in the country. Um, and over the uh, course of the weekend, the junior days, and he hosted a lot of different players. Um, he decided to commit to the Longhorns. We spoke to him yesterday, actually, on the On Texas Football live stream. And asked him exactly, you know, why did you choose Texas? What was the reason? And he essentially said, it's PK. PK got such a great relationship with PK. Also a great relationship with Blake Gideon, um, who I'm assuming was the, one of the lead recruiters. But he talked about PK and how, you know, PK and he have such a great relationship that they don't talk about football oftentimes when they talk. Um, that it's a uh, very personal connection that they have. And that he's looking forward to coming here and playing for PK. That's why he wants to come here. And I think they, they have him. I believe classified now as a buck in as their buck in. So that's what they visualize for him coming in. But uh, he's, 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 he's great. I mean, in terms of a natural raw pass rusher, I asked him about his pass rushing moves. He was like, I don't have any. I'm not joking. I asked him, I was like, what are your repertoire of pass rush moves? Cause I was just watching him. He didn't seem like he had any, and he admitted he was brutally honest. He said, I don't have any, I'm just bigger and stronger and faster. And that is, <laughs> that is, that's what he said. I'm not joking. That's really good news because you're going to teach him pass rush moves. In addition to the freakish athleticism that he's being recruited for, you're going to teach him a repertoire of pass rushing moves. And once he starts learning that and executing those and cultivating those pass rushing moves, he's going to be even better. And the, what it tells me, though, is that they're recruiting pass rush ability. Remember I told you you can't – some things you can't coach and you can't develop. you got to recruit those things you can't coach, you can't develop, can't coach coverage, can't coach pass rushing ability. I think it's a kind of a natural, innate trait. And he's one of those guys that can just kind of get after the passer naturally. Um, and like, even even though he's got no moves. I'm glad he was honest about that. Usually guys try to fake it. He's like, no, nah, I'm just bigger, stronger, and faster than everybody else. Um, so he just says he loves the way PK coaches. So 6'5". Actually, he's, he's, oh, he said he's 6'6". 
He said everybody he's tight end too, doesn't he? Yeah, everybody keeps listening at, at six five. He says he's about six six. And two forty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, six, he's six a two way player in, in Texarkana. Yeah. And uh he looks like a pretty good looking tight end too. So just a really good athlete. Yeah. He's got that uncoachable size and length and explosiveness. And a good baseball player too, Rod. Yeah, he said actually it's a great point you bring it up. He said his first love was baseball. Yep. He said his first love was baseball and he ended up kind of settling into football because I mean thinks more of his body. Uh and, and he lives in Texas. It, Texas is hard for to have a body like that and be an athlete like that and coaches not be nudging you toward football all the time. Um he said his first love actually was baseball and I believe he's he's still playing baseball. Yeah. He's, he's actually still playing baseball too. So he's a really good player and a great young man too. But very cool. On the On Texas Football Channel, be checking that out for great content. Uh talking to guys like that. And uh, his brother plays at Arkansas, correct? Yes, uh, Landon Jackson, I believe it's his brother's name, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Landon Jackson uh, is his brother's name. Yep, plays at Arkansas. Cool. Um, and so, it, yeah, I mean, he's, like I said, I think this is a type of guys they're going to start recruiting guys who can just naturally rush the passer. We'll teach him everything else. Teach him some pass rush moves. We'll teach him about taking on blocks to the right shoulder. We'll teach him about leverage. We can add weight, nutritionist, strength and conditioning. There are certain traits you've got to start you know, recruiting naturally, and he's one of those guys, I think. So good for him and good for Texas. I think that's a nice pickup by them. All right, uh, other news. We were waiting on news about Coach Aquina. At least now we know why he's not going to be an analyst at Texas because he was uh, being patient. Patience is a virtue, and it uh, does pay off for Coach Aquina. Uh, he is now uh, has been announced over the weekend, I should say. He's now the defensive coordinator for Arizona. So Brent Brennan, the new head coach there, who was from San Jose State, has decided to name uh, uh, Coach Aquina as their new defensive coordinator. So congrats to him. That means he won't be the defensive analyst for Texas. Uh, that would have been, I mean, that would have been a hell of a, <laughs> that would have been a hell of a get if Texas would able to get a guy of his ilk. And they've got some great ones, right? You had Gary Patterson, special assistant to the head coach. Paul Chris is coming back as a special assistant to the head coach. I do think that um, William Gay, who they're bringing in as a defensive analyst, I guess once they got the Coach Aquino news. They moved quickly. Uh, William Gay is a longtime NFL player, 12 years in the league total, 10 of those years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, two different stints with the Steelers. He was, he was drafted originally by the Steelers, um, played his first contract with the Steelers, and then left to go to Arizona for one year, came back with the Steelers. And then the Steelers, after he was done playing, they brought him back again as a coaching intern. Um, and that's Mike, I think Mike Tomlin the entire time. So Mike Tomlin's a big fan of Mike Tomlin was my DB coach when I was with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So Mike Tomlin has a DB background. And he was known as being a defensive guru before he became a head coach. Dick LeBeau was his defensive coordinator. Uh, Dick LeBeau, known for being one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of football. So he had time to siphon a lot of information from two great defensive minds. Uh, one Mike Tomlin, one Dick LeBeau. And, they, and the Steelers organization, which is an organization about straight class homies. Right, they you know, they traded away a Super Bowl MVP because it was like, man, that's got shady. They got rid of Antonio Brown, early, even though he was an All Pro. Like, nah, man, we don't like the way this guy's conducting himself. They don't mess around, so you know he's gonna be, he's gonna bring a nice culture with him too. He's he's aware of culture and how much it means. He won't be recruiting. He won't be an on field coach. As an as an analyst, though, he can be a advanced scouting analyst for you or he can do a lot of self-scouting for you I think you should put him in more of a self-scouting role right now I would have him trying to come up with solutions and trying to come up with uh, options for you to solve some of the troublesome concepts 
uh, that you had uh, trying to defend last season, that you had trouble defending last season, I should say, which was, you know, bunch formations, inside breaking routes, your leverage was off a lot of the times, the deep ball, we saw that against Washington, deep ball, they had issues defending the deep ball, panic plans. That's what I would do if I was uh, Coach Sark. I'd put him on self-scouting with my DBs trying to figure out ways to help those young DBs get a whole lot better. Makuba, adding talent is going to help, but also I think conceptually, schematically, they need some help, some solutions to some of those troublesome concepts that really they never solved all season long. They were all re- always rearing their ugly head. Yeah, and that's a nice one. 12 years in the NFL, and it does feel like Sark keeps wanting to plug into the National Football League, bringing Chris Jackson, yep. um, you know, Tashard Choice with an NFL background before he got into college, Willie, William Gay also now in. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Rod Wright is the answer at defensive line coach. Um, yeah, still haven't heard it. I mean, of course, Houston season ended yeah, on Saturday. We'll keep an anything. eye on that. Uh, I'd also say, Rod, the, uh, the, we were talking about defensive line depth as a concern for Texas. And, uh, you know, wh- I wonder if, if your new co-defensive coordinator has some ties back at Arizona. And what do you know? Tia Olaya Savea, Rod. Yep. Tia Olai. Yeah. Tia Olai Savea had an official visit over the weekend, 6-4-3-0-5. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and he seemed like Two years at Arizona. Was it at UCLA to start his career? He seemed enthusiastic. Lowen fans thought it was going to be a foregone conclusion that he was just going to commit the way he was posting on social media. But my friends over at On Texas Football with my man C.J. Vogel and Bobby Burden, they said they have confirmed that, no, he is not ready to commit. And I think a reason he may be hesitant is because they don't know who the D-line coach is going to be. Now, he could be different because he's got roots going back with Johnny Nansen. Right, you said Johnny Nansen recruited him. Yeah, at, and, at UCLA. And exactly, and it transferred over uh, and was with him in his time in Arizona as well. So it could be different, and maybe he's not hesitant because he's got such a great relationship with Johnny Nansen, who's the co-DC now. But I will throw out that I think it's going to be tough to bring in transfer portal additions on that D-line until you get a D-line coach. Yeah, they want to know who their position no. coach is. Yeah. Anybody would. Yeah. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. I mean, obviously, if you're in on this player and you, you kind of know who you want or you think, feel like you know, you might want to – they might hear something today uh, on I that. I think so. If it's an NFL guy, if it's Rod Wright, you should hear something pretty soon here. Agreed. Because their season's over with. Yep. And um, we got back from Baltimore on Saturday. We'll see if something comes from that uh, situation. Good stuff right there, Rod. Behind the burnt orange curtain, we'll also talk more about Rodney Terry and hear from Rodney Terry after the big win, after uh, Tyrese Hunter went coast to coast. What a ball game, by the way. That I watched that game front to back. That was an awesome basketball it game. It was. That was a really good basketball game. It was a great game. Uh, high scoring in the first half. Both, you know, both teams shot the lights out in the first half. Uh, defense improved in the second half. Both teams were in the 40s in the first half, and both teams struggled to get to 30 in the second. Both teams tightened up on D and um, ended up with, you know, Baylor making a rainbow three to tie it. Kid Bridges nails the three, uh, but without calling a timeout, Tyrese Hunter goes coast to coast. A great pass by Dylan DeSue, Rod, to hit Tyrese Hunter in stride, so he was running full speed and was kind of a Tyus Edney old UCLA finish to lay that ball in and uh, beat the buzzer. Great play. Great win. Great win. Because you thought when he made that, you're thinking, oh, man, they may end up in overtime. That's not what you want against this Baylor team. And they end up getting the win. And that's the Tyrese Hunter they need the rest of the year out. A 21-point Tyrese Hunter who was red hot mm-hmm. in the first half, played with energy. And that's the kind of defense they have to play, Rod. The, yeah. the, the, the big keys for Texas in that. You got Dylan DeSue and Max Aismas doing normal things. Tyrese Hunter, Tyrese Hunter stepped up with 21. You only turned the ball over seven times. And you played better defense. They held Baylor to 38% in the second half after over 50 in the first half. Um, both teams were just red hot. That was an awesome basketball game. If that's more of the signs of things to come for Texas, uh, don't give up on this Texas team just yet. 
because now they go to Oklahoma tomorrow night. Oklahoma's a top 20 team as well with Porter Mosier. But I will remind Texas fans, as I mentioned in the 6 o'clock hour, through his first um, – through this many games, Chris Beard's first year at Texas, he was 13-5. and five mm-hmm. And it posted – it took him all the way to January to get a quad one win uh, with a brand-new – essentially a brand-new roster learning to play together. Um, Roddy Terry, 13-5, and five, uh, took till January 20th to post a quad one win over Baylor. Mm-hmm. We'll see because that team ended up a 22-win team, went 22-12, and 12, made the tournament, and we know that the – the, the guts of that team all came back for the following year, and they made a run to the Final Four, but almost to the Final Four. So we'll see. But, yeah, Rodney Terry's got uh, got to keep keep that consistency. That's going to yep. be the key now. Okay, Because, you know, a lot of times in coaching, Rod, you on the football, okay, we've now seen it. That's it. Guys, we played the kind of game we have to play. That second half is how we have to play. Yep. We're going to win games. Don't let it be a flash. Yes. Start putting it together. It's going to be tough in the Big 12, though. Yeah, it will. No I nights mean, off. You don't get any nights off. But at least you've, you've played. We hadn't seen Texas play to that level yet. At least they know they can do it. They know they can do it. It's possible. And, okay, that's the recipe, y'all. And you know what? You've got to find something there because Brock Cunningham didn't play much in the second half. Kendall Weaver played a bunch. Mm-hmm. The UT Arlington transfer, and he was making those hustle plays that were critical. Um, you know, Dylan DeSue. Was was in foul trouble again, but they were the offense was kind of running through him. They're doing the two man game with he and Max Asmus, and then Tyrese Hunter getting his buckets off of that. So again, the recipe's there. Now Rodney Terry's got to keep it growing. But okay. we we we'll come back in uh, in the next hour, Rod, and, and play Rodney Terry's apology after the game. He did. He apologized to uh, uh, I think his peers and to Longhorn fans. I believe it was directed towards. Yeah, him. for the controversy after the Central Florida game that uh, it was the first time we got to hear from Rodney since that Tuesday He's night a loss. Guy. All right. That was a great sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie behind the burnt orange curtain. We're going to take our last break. When we come back, wrap things up here for you on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. All right, got to get out of here. Uh, last couple of texts. See, Texas says, love Weaver's spark and hustle plays. How can you not? And Chance says, Josh Allen should have checked down to uh, Dylan no- Dawson Knox. One last player, the field goal uh, before the field goal would have been a closer field goal. Josh A still played lights out. Yep, you know that's it's kind of the knock is he tries to go for the the home run every time. Doesn't know how to sometimes just hit the single up the middle. Uh, by the way, I did look, guys. Taylor Swift is is playing the Saturday night in at the Tokyo Dome, but they're they're seventeen hours ahead of Vegas, and it's not seventeen hours to fly back, so she could be at the Super Bowl. Then she has to fly to Australia. So just your Taylor Swift update, guys. I'm keeping up there because I know you guys care about it. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back to talk more actual sports tomorrow here on the Sports Complex. Until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean. We'll be right back here tomorrow with more of the Sports Complex.